Hi, welcome to Pod Before Dinner. Enjoy this episode. Talk to you today about launching culturally relevant mathematics tasks. I was in a conversation with a few professor colleagues of mine, and we were talking about this notion of launching culturally relevant mathematics tasks. And somehow we, we tried to think about doing so in the context of culturally relevant mathematics teaching. You know, at, at Urban Teachers where I, I work, we it's a big deal for us that, that we look at mathematics teaching in general through the lens of culturally relevant teaching. That is teaching that is centered in, in community and cultural inquiry, teaching that stresses social justice and critical consciousness agency, both individually and collectively, but also teaching that is very much uh, supportive of national and local standards and expectations for teaching and learning mathematics. And so that's kind of how we define culturally relevant teaching, the teaching that can can do those three, three things. If you need more information about culturally relevant teaching, you can always um, do a, a Google search. You'll find um, one of the, the pioneers of this work, Gloria Ladson Billings, authored, you know, The Dream Keepers in 1994, The Dream Keepers, Successful Teachers of African-American Children, and, and proffered that there were three components of culturally relevant pedagogy, academic excellence, cultural competence, and critical consciousness. And so what I've just said, is kind of, it, it, it really dovetails with that particular space. But we talk about that in the in terms of cultural relevant mathematics teaching. We talk about that in the sense of teaching launching task. I think I'll do a quick overview of what we mean, where this idea of launching task fits into the space. That is, a, that is, I'll give an overview of this this notion of teaching through problem solving, or as we call it at Urban Teachers, uh, the mathematics workshop. The second thing I want to do then is is look at what are the expectations of the launch, and then I want to talk about two items that my colleagues and I we discussed around how we can make launches more culturally relevant, how we can do a launch and act a launch in the context of being con um, uh, sorry culturally relevant. Uh, this is Dr. Lou, and so I'll, I'll get started. Um, when we think of the uh, mathematics workshop, or what we call teaching through problem solving, this idea that um, children learn and experience mathematics and learn mathematics and develop understandings of new concepts or just ideas of mathematics, period, through problem solving, or as they do mathematics. It's a very simple concept. In order to learn mathematics, you have to do it. You have to, there's a, a sense of, of solving through it and pro, problem solving and, and wrestling with mathematical ideas. It's, it's a commonly held notion. It, it's what mathematicians and mathematics practices, practicer, practitioners, I'm sorry, believe is the fundamental notion of uh, learning mathematics. In fact, that's why all mathematics practitioners problem solve. And so it's, it's called teaching through problem solving. We, we call it here at Urban Teachers and in some circles, a mathematics workshop. Um, but it's really this, the bigger notion is teaching through problem solving. In, in fact, in Canada and in some other places, they call it the three-part uh, three lesson. 
Um, it's a framework that's aimed to capture this notion of teaching through problem solving. And it has three main phases, right? The first phase is the launch phase. It's launching the problem. We, we launch the problem out into the space as teachers and as educators, as facilitators. We, we problematize the space. We, we open up for the doer of mathematics a space where they can do mathematics. That is, we give them a task. We launch a task or a set of tasks uh, for the uh, mathematics uh, doer to engage in. The task might simply be, if I had three chocolate bars, for example, and I wanted to split them up among eight people, how much chocolate would each person get, right? That's, uh, that's a, you've probably heard some sort of word problem uh, like that in your past. It's a task, right? You There's a, a prompt, and you want the user to engage mathematically in the prompt, and, and in the sense of what we ex kind of expect in culturally relevant teaching, you want to do more than just a mathematical prompt. You want to, there's typically some cultural inquiry, community inquiry prompt that, that really puts the mathematics into context. And what I mean by that is we, we want to do mathematics for something more than just petty mathematics, more than just a um, uh, discussion of pizza and chocolate bars and uh Susan buys 59 cantaloupes and without any discussion about well, why are we giving Susan 59 cantaloupes? Why is she buying 59 cantaloupes? What sense does that even make? And it's this idea of moving beyond petty math and into more meaningful mathematics. So, so in the first sense of talking about the mathematics workshop and launching the problem, you're really setting the stage for what's to come both mathematically and if we're really doing this well socially and culturally, as well because we see mathematics in the bigger sense of the social, political, the cultural, and the intellectual. And so that's launching the problem. Then there's exploring the problem where the mathematics doer, the creator, is is does the mathematics. So when I think about the three chocolate bars, for example, and I think about well how are they going to be shared amongst eight and I think about I, I may perhaps I draw a set of diagrams of three circles and they divide each circle up into eight pieces and I I think about what that means and I, I come up with the conclusion that each person must get um, either three equal shares, sorry, one share of the each pizza divided into eight or three pieces of pizza or three eighths of, of, of the pizza being, three eighths of the entire pizza being shared and divvied out. And so that's the exploration that the doer goes through, right? And, and, and it's an exploration of strategy. It's an exploration of thinking and process. And then there's the last part of the mathematics workshop. Um, we call it the Congress. Uh, I think I learned the Congress, th that terminology, when I first came to Urban Teachers. But um, it's really the time, it's the, it's the culminating period, right? It's the time to, to have conversation. It's to, to have discourse and discussion and interaction in and amongst our ideas. So that why? So that we capture our key learnings and our key understandings. So you have the launch, the exploration phase, and the Congress, what we call the Congress phase. And some people divide that up further. That's three parts, but some people divide it up further and we'll, we'll call it a summary part, summary later uh, session. But for, for, for all intents, all intents and purposes, um, I just typically stick with the three uh, particular phases. So that's the mathematics workshop. 
Okay, so let me talk now about each particular phase of the workshop. And, well, in fact, let me just focus on the launch. Uh, we talked about the launch, but I'll give a quick overview of what elements of the math workshop are in each phase. And so in the launch, the teacher has great uh, the responsibility of posing, right? The posing is a good word for that. The teacher is posing a task, posing a relevant task, a rich task, a rich mathematics task. And when we typically mean um, a task, there's what comes to mind for teachers is this a good task? And there's a whole lot of work around what good tasks are. Uh, I can give you some quick tidbits of what a good task is, but good tasks are tip typically tasks where the answer isn't obvious. You know, I talk to a lot of parents about this, and when they talk about their children and the the reluctance of their children to answer basic questions in mathematics or to show they're working, for example. Let's say they can do a problem and they do it in their head really quickly. It's typically an indication for me that the task that they're being given really doesn't require a whole lot of what we call cognitive demand or cognitive effort. And so when we talk about task and good tasks, typically we want tasks that, that require some sort of cognitive effort. Um, that required where the answer isn't obvious, where it's going to be some thinking, but for if anything else, for you to see the thinking, so that you can begin to assess where students are and how to support and help them and as they move along. So we talk about uh, problems that are cognitively demanding. We talk about problems, tasks, I being those which require students to ask questions and inquire and talk and discourse. And so good tasks require communication. And so we also talk about good tasks being relevant. Uh, good tasks really being connected to who students are um, beyond watermelons and, and uh, pizza and money. Just really tasks that show some deliberate connection to who students are. And listen, it, it does mean names as well, right? It's not names and not the be all and end all, but it does mean that as well. It's, it's a piece of it. It's important for students to see themselves in math problems, but not just for the sake of naming the content, but also for the sake of what they are doing. And and then we talk about what well, we talked about reflection. We talked about the the cognitive demand, but we talk about also about relevance. And then we talk about risk. Uh, good task allows students to take risk, right? And um, so that's what we talk about. Good task. So in the launch phase, the teacher is launching this space of good task, and. The, the teacher's main job is to prepare students to engage. And we call this engaging in, in, in inquiry. But in the sense of culturally relevant teaching, um, there's, there's more to it than that, right? There's, it's not just engaging in, in uh, mathematical inquiry or do the doing of mathematics, but it also has to be the engaging in, uh, let me just pull it up, the engaging in, what's the term I'm looking for? Self-inquiry, community inquiry, and cultural inquiry. So the, the, one of the big uh, takeaways for launching a mathematics task is to be, is to really set up students up for the space of engaging in, in inquiry. So think about what that means for a second. How do I get my students to engage in in math mathematical inquiry, cultural inquiry, social inquiry. How do I get them ready 
for that. Okay, so I have two things I want you to consider when it comes to the launch, and I'll talk about this. Okay, so the first thing I want you to think about when you come to the launch or, or thinking about launching a task for culture and relevant mathematics teaching, think about this idea. Now, this is going to be a very, it's going to be some weird terms. I'm going to use some, well, some terms that are kind of, that may seem out of place, right? The first term is to lean in. And what do I mean by leaning in? Remember, the purpose of the launch is to set the stage to prepare students for self-inquiry, mathematical inquiry, cultural inquiry, and social inquiry. But, uh, sorry, community, community inquiry. But let me extend that. The purpose of the launch is to prepare yourself for that as well. Not You're not just preparing students. You are preparing yourself because you are part of a community. So the purpose of the launch is to prepare the community the com mathematical community at hand for uh, for for an experience, right? Especially if you're thinking about culturally relevant teaching. If you think of this as just kind of getting through a task, then it's going to be a very challenging road because you're going to think you're going to start to think very very discreetly, maybe even too discreetly for it to make sense for the lessons to start the task to start to 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 gel together and make sense. So think more broadly. Think of Am I ready for this experience? So when I mean lean in, everyday communities experience different things, right? So I'm leaning into community. I'm leaning into who my students are and what they uh, experience. Sometimes one of the biggest, well, let, let me just say this first and then I'll, I'll, I'll go back. But everyday communities experience joy, right? They experience thriving and celebrations. So just think of your own community, right? What do you experience on a day-to-day -day basis? You think of celebrations, birthdays, and, and events, and, and neighborhoods. And you think of all of these things alongside the challenges, right, of a pandemic and, and economics and health and discrimination maybe. And so leaning in at the onset of a launch means centering and affirming and recognizing, and when we say affirming and centering, it means acknowledging uh, what is the community space that I'm coming from, that I'm entering into, and I'm not just talking about the classroom community, I'm talking about where are my students' lived realities coming from, and, and more importantly, where are those lived realities not from a deficit standpoint? So I'm not talking about thinking about all the bad things that, that, that come from black community or brown community, which is quite typical with people who are very ignorant about how other people live. They tend to think of, of cult cultures and, and realities of marginalized groups in, in fantastical ways, right? Fantasies and, and uh, extremes, and not necessarily leaning into things like joy and thriving and celebrations and and alongside the challenges, though, and resilience of health and discrimination, one of the exercises I one exercise I my colleagues and I gave to a group of teachers in Peoria, Illinois. We asked them to write down, tell me what you've learned from your family about your family throughout the COVID experience. So COVID has put people families in lockdown, and people have had to spend more time with their families than um, they ever had, some they've, that they've ever wanted to. And they've learned some different things. One of the things that um, I appreciated from that experience was was a remark that came from a particular teacher. She, she said, he, is he or she, I, I'm not so sure, but they said, um, 
uh, I learned that my family is a lot more resilient than I thought, you know. And so when you think about your own family and what you've learned about your family, you can turn to and think about the values. And so you can think about other people's families like that as well, right? Even in the face of great adversity, we can be resilient. And so launching is about centering in that space, acknowledging that, recognizing that, and affirming it. Affirming it, affirming means to to deliberately look for the value, the value, and to maybe acknowledge it publicly and set and, and position it um, with highest priority. So for example, if, if I am doing a lesson and I'm launching a, I'm doing a launch, and the launch involves some cultural, as, cultural aspect of, let's say, starting a business in my community, I am purposely prioritizing powerful acts, powerful examples of businesses in my community, powerful recent examples, or powerful examples of resilience and how people overcame great challenges. Why? Because I'm sending a message that this community we're about to engage with is powerful. And so that's that's an idea, right? That's a centering. Now, you're not going to read this in any old mathematics textbook, but it's really a centering. Too many times we practice mathematics as a colonizing space. We don't make room for the community around us, and we don't acknowledge the land and the people. We don't sometimes acknowledge the people. Um, teachers who value community and culture take the community cultural pulse of both place and mind regularly, if not already immersed in it. If they're not already immersed in it, they're always taking the pulse of the community and the focus on this orientation. So they, for example, a teacher acknowledges the real impact of the election of uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris for the black community, uh, for, for black girls, for black women, and uh, for, for, for immigrant, Jamaican immigrants, for example, and, and students in the class. And so they recognize that connectiveness, right? And so they use it as a potential launch point, a potential link, a potential uh, immersion into the election space to, to introduce a problem, to to study a problem and whatnot. That's the launch. So think of the launch not just as something to accomplish, but something big, a big part of the experience. The sense in their local community might be political empowerment, the breaking of a glass ceiling for women and black excellence. So the teacher might draw from this moment to, to create, shape the introduction of a task in black cultural excellence, for example. So, so that's a, a, an example of leaning in. Leaning in is a mental space that the teacher goes through, it's also a very deliberate part of the launch activity. It might You might lean in in discussion, you might lean in in the content, in the, sorry, the, the precursor content, you know, you have some content that you wanted to think about, a brain teaser. You might lean in that way by organizing the brain teaser in a way that it, it, it's encased in community inquiry. So you might do that. Now here's a tension though. So leaning in, that's the first point I wanna bring out. But here's the tension. The tension might be that some, some mathematics content draws from a historically culturally neutral space. And so when we talk about um, fractions and one-third plus two-thirds, right? It's sometimes you see this in math books, and that is purposely culturally neutral, right? It doesn't let people think about fractions in an exciting way. And it makes might make you just want to say, hey, but let me just 
introduce them to a method, a procedure. And so that's a tension, right? And if you're in a school that only allows you to do those experiences, recognize that that's a limitation, right? And, and we need to do fractions in, this way, in ways that make sense to people, surely. But if you are in that, then that's a tension. So I want you to acknowledge the tensions that you're in. And in, in, other, in other work, um, we talk about um, creative insubordination, which is an important part of how do I navigate this tension, right? And it might mean that you have to do additional a adding to the problem, or sometimes you can take away from the problem some modification. But sometimes there's a search for how other people are doing this for success. And, and uh, Rochelle Gutierrez has some really great ways when we talk about um, six practices of creating insubordination, which I think can help you navigate the space. So being able to adapt to this tension, to modify, to pivot, um, we'll need deliberate planning. So you, if you are launching amidst this tension and you haven't planned, it will, call, it will catch you out. It, it might even frustrate you um, because you cannot employ creativity on the fly. You really need a time to really think more deeply about how to launch. Sometimes students don't plan enough, spend enough time on launching tasks. Um, they think that it's just a uh, time waster to get to the important part of, of exploration, but the launch is so critical in capturing the learner and, and situating mathematics in the space of the leaning in is, is, is important. Okay, so that's leaning in, first one, and then there's a, the tension that I shared. Next, I'm going to talk to you about the second um, point that I want to make about launching culture. In the second point about launching culture relevant mathematics tasks, I, I guess I labeled this assigned seats, <laughs> right? So rem remember, you're setting the stage, you are posing the task, you've put the task out there, you are framing the task, framing the situation, the context, the build up, the lead up for the sake of community inquiry. Mathematics inquiries, cultural inquiry, social inquiry, inquiry about myself, okay? Um, assigned seat. So think of this when, you know, when I go to my mom's house and there's a dinner planned and the first thing my mom might do or a, a guest, a host might do is let me, I have guests at the table, let me assign some seats. Here are some seats. Hey, take a seat. Let me get your coat. Take a seat. And, and so think of yourself in that way, right? Where you are, where you, your job is to situate the learner, right? You, you literally are situating the learner. You're helping the learner move around in the space that you are designing, right? And mostly as, a, hopefully as a co-creator, but still you are creator in the space. And so you want to situate the learner as a mathematics creator. So think about that. I want them to have a seat at the table. So as I'm launching, the purpose of the launch, to give them a seat at the table as what? As a mathematics creator. So by sharing power and space, the learner intentionally, I'm sorry, the teacher intentionally situates the learner at the table of mathematics making. So in launching work, the teacher provides, then what this looks like is the teacher provides opportunities for the learner, the learner, and by extension, the learner's community to set the stage. So sometimes teachers take on a lot of pressure that I have to create these contexts, that I have to give these contexts meaning that I have to do a lot of the discourse leading into the space of community and culture. And to be quite frankly, that's pretty arrogant, right? I mean, we there is no amount of study that's gonna get you to know another culture or know 
the people around you. We are so complex. We are so beautifully complex that it's about a re- it's a it's a relationship. So think of it as a co-created space, right? And what if we work together to co-create this space? What if we set the stage for inquiry together as co-creators of both context and content? Um, so, so in this sense, the learner would help to create a critical part of the mathematics uh, experience. For example, uh, a student might, you might have in the launch, a student tell of a recent experience starting a neighborhood business, right? Or moving or grocery shopping, in which the teacher then uses this as an opportunity for others to share in this experience. This student and community inquiry is critical, right? It, it's a start for a discussion maybe that has to do with the mathematics involved in different aspects of grocery shopping. Maybe it's um, buying and selling. It's, you know, business uh, profit and loss. It could be all sorts of things. In fact, one school in Dallas, I saw a student do a launch and it involved, she had one of her students, one of her students were, one of her students um, sold chips um, during lunch breaks, she had a little business, a little side hustle, and the teacher would um, s- teacher focused on the kinds of things she was doing in her business as a way to as a lead in to talk about uh, the business functions of cost and profit, and so that was a way of of the class inqu- inquiring into this idea of the student's life. Um, of course, there's a negotiation, right? I mean, it's not, we're not talking about a bully pulpit, but a power sharing, allowing the student, in doing that, the teacher sent the message that what you do is so critical and important and important to the mathematics that we do. So the launch can be powerful if if the learner is situated as a mathematics creator. Student and cultural community inquiry, student and community inquiry is critical um, because what you do is you center culture in knowledge construction. You send a message that constructing knowledge depends on what you think informally and culturally. Okay? Um, and it, this is different. This is different from just saying I'm going to build on a student's background knowledge. It's very different. Now here's the tension. The tension to this one is that some, some teachers, they feel inclined to make this space totally about students. Right? Okay, I'm gonna let students take over the launch. No, that's not what this is saying. In in fact, I don't think you let students take over anything completely. I don't think that's the goal of culturally relevant teaching. I really don't. It's a co-created space, right? You are a part. The community that you're a part of is you involves both you and the student, right? And so you are you're merging with, you're connecting with. The students, so it's your community together, and so there's a sense of co-construction, which is not the same of as independence. It's rather it's interdependence. We need each other. This is this is the intent: co-construction, community, co co community, co-unity. So this is the opportunity to share, not give up the space, but share the space so that students and their communities can engage in authentic co- inquiry. So there you have it. There are two. Uh, ways in which I think the thinking about the launch can be more meaningful for your preparations in launching tasks in a culture-relevant um, 
mathematics space. Let me know. Um, let your instructor know. Let your, your your colleagues know what you think about this. What, are there other ways to launch mathematics? Hi, thank you for listening to another episode of Pie Before Dinner. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you're listening to and you want to support our work, please visit us at www.piebeforedinner.com. That's www.piebeforedinner.com. Have a great day.